0: The show! The show! You have all
1: made it through a dance. You have all made it, made it, made it. Coming to you from the X Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 260. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And this week on the show, a fellow traveler in the professional communications world and a dude who reached out to me whom I didn't know. Now, it's interesting because on Facebook, I generally don't accept friend requests from people I don't know. I've done that a handful of times. It's worked out okay from time to time. That's how I met Jake Brown. And there's a handful of others on there. Usually, it's people who are kind of associated with the Denver art and entertainment community. Now, on LinkedIn, I pretty much accept everyone. So if you're trying to friend me on LinkedIn, unless you're an obvious bot, I'll probably friend you on there. Facebook, I'm a little bit more selective about. Now, my guest this week happens to be one of those people. Travis Voles is my guest. He's the founder of Voles Media. He does work for the Aspen Film Fest. He does work for the Telluride Horror Show. And he works basically in PR, publicity, communications, that kind of thing. And so when I got a friend request from him, I do not even remember how long ago at this point, I kind of looked around his page. I go, yeah, this dude seems cool. And I can tell you with confidence, he is one of my top five favorite people in terms of Facebookery. His Facebook game is on point. There's funny stuff. There's interesting stuff. There's cool stuff. There's links to projects. There's meme stuff. It's great. He's really, really good at it. So I enjoy his friendship on Facebook. And I've been bugging him for a while. I'm like, hey, Travis, you should come on my show. Let's talk about your business. Let's talk shop. Let's talk communications, publicity, marketing, PR, that kind of thing. And we could just never get our schedules to align exactly. But it's pandemic time, baby. So I said, hey, Travis, you want to come on my show? And he goes, yeah, I'm down. He happened to be down in Salida. That's where this conversation begins. So if you're kind of wondering where that is, that's what he's referring to. But that's a very brief part of the conversation. We end up talking about why he moved up to Georgetown. We talk about the work of film festivals. We we kvetch a little bit about some of the challenges that come with coordinating a festival of any scope, really. Because I've done some work with Denver Film Festival. I'm on the media side. But my friend Neil Trulio, I see what he does during the day. So I asked Travis about what it's like when he's doing these in person, how he's shifted during the pandemic. I mean, he's just a great dude. And this is a really fun, enjoyable, breezy chat that will fly by. And you're going to love it. Toward the end of the episode, Travis drops some links to Aspen Film, to the Tell Your Telluride Horror Show. There's going to be potentially some virtual programming, maybe some drive-in stuff, but stay up to date on those. And I've got the links listed on the John of All Trades Companion blog piece, of course, that's at johnofalltrades.us, ofalltrades.us and also in the show notes. So whether you're listening on iTunes, whether you're listening on Stitcher, whether you're listening to iHeartRadio, whatever platform you're on, check out those show notes and take you directly to where you need to go. Something piques your interest head there, but before you do be sure to hit that button that says subscribe brand new episodes will come directly to you. <clears throat> I've been on an incredible clip this year with just tremendous conversations with academics, entrepreneurs, punk rock musicians, comedians, wrestling promoters, tons and tons of great stuff appearing on John of all trades this year. I have no designs. on slowing down anytime soon. So hit that subscribe button. And if you like what you hear, it takes two seconds. Leave us a rating and if you're feeling so kind, leave us a review. Just a couple of sentences. What do you like about the show? What are some of your favorite guests? That type of thing helps with exposure for the John of all trades podcast. Remind me to give you a big sloppy kiss. If you do this next time I see you in person and we're not in a pandemic, right? Because who needs that at this point? That seems like unnecessary risk taking, but hey, you want to do that yourself? I'm in no position to tell anyone what to do. We're in America and uh, much more of the country. Seems to be stocked with idiots and a-holes than I ever expected. Not among them. My guest this week, episode 260. I've got Travis Volz. He's the founder of Volz Media, doing all sorts of interesting publicity and PR work, as well as one of my favorite practitioners of Facebookery. His episode starts right now.
0: Yeah, it just seems like people are mindful. I've been to the Safeway and a few other places around town here, and um, feels a little bit like Georgetown, yeah. except on a little bit bigger scale, I guess. So,
1: uh, important question, especially in light of you bringing up Georgetown, are they playing Phil Collins music super loud to no one?
0: They are. As a matter of fact, Tim is, Tim is still running Is the DJ on Saturdays and, uh, very heavy on Genesis and Phil Collins at the moment. I swung by last weekend and chatted with him about maybe doing a little informal, like Facebook announcement around that. He seemed into it. So maybe yeah. we'll get some Phil Collins fans up in Georgetown. Yeah,
1: good. Because it sounds like they're going to be playing it no matter what. So this is Travis Voles and we got connected on Facebook. I think you friended me because we had a lot of like, mutual connections um we'd never actually met in person but like i started following your work and you're doing work for like the aspen film festival tell you Ride horror fest city of georgetown and so you have like these cool accounts that you're sort of doing work on and posting about and i'm like now we got to connect because we're we're sort of simpatico in that way and so it's it's a pleasure to finally get to talk to you
0: you as well oh, yeah. yeah thank you
1: and it's funny it was that phil collins post that really, like, it grabbed me because, like, there's just this video of empty chairs and, like, a gazebo. And, like, and Phil Collins' music is playing so loud. And I thought, what a delightful post. Like, that's what I miss about social media because so much of it is just a sewer right now mm-hmm. that uh you're like a ray of sunshine in it. So keep up the good work on that front.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, they gave me good content. It happens about every weekend up there. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm curious what ultimately facilitated you moving to Georgetown because as far as like publicists go, you know, you can do it from anywhere, but you know, you're a little bit more remote. You were previously in Denver. What drew you to small town life up in the hills?
0: I've always been attracted to the mountains. I grew up on the plains of South Dakota, actually, but we would make trips out to Colorado as kids. And I've always been a little bit outdoorsy and I found myself up in, up in the area, uh, the front range hiking three or four times a week. Knowing that I'm working mostly from home, um, and it, under normal circumstances, um, I have to be in person at these events. But that's you know here and there throughout the year. Right now, it's just everything is from home. Oh, but yeah. at that time, I was just realizing that I can do my work from the front range up in the mountains. And if I need to buzz down to Georgetown for any film production, or excuse me, Denver to, for any film production or client meetings, it's you know within an hour. So it was kind of a nice way to test it out. I've been up there for two years now. And, um with clients in Aspen and Telluride and other places around the state, it kind of gives me a little bit of a jump start. I'm not spending an hour trying to get out of the metro area, so yeah, I think really just uh I feel a little bit more present when I'm out in nature, and it kind of keeps me balanced.
1: That's nice, man yeah. and, and like the photos of your hikes are always really, really pretty. How much are you hiking now? You were doing like three, four times a week before. How much are you doing now?
0: probably the same now that the weather is warm, of course, here in July. And, um, I'm very fortunate to be living where I am, where I can kind of get away from everyone in a hurry, uh, especially during all of this. But, um, I would say on average in the summer, I'm doing at least four or five hikes a week. Wow. And
1: and how long do you go? Like, I'm not a hiker, so I'm just kind of curious about this. Like how, how long is an average hike for you?
0: Uh, well, sometimes I'll spend a half a day. I would say an average hike would probably be eight or nine miles round trip. Okay. Uh, but I've gone on longer ones and been up a, on a couple 14 already this year. So, uh, but there are some short ones right around Georgetown evening hikes that I'll, I'll head out for, you know, an hour, 90 minutes. Nice. Just for a few miles, but I would say on average it's nine or 10 miles round trip.
1: That's cool. I just having not done much of that, I, I've always kind of wondered about it. So it's interesting because I have worked from home now for the last five and a half years and I love it. And it was, it was funny when the pandemic started and we went into lockdown. A number of people, I think, kind of lost their minds because they weren't used to the rhythm. And, you know, some people kind of, they're not as self-directed with that, but you've been working from home for a while. How have things changed in, in a material way aside from festivals, obviously not happening right now? But
0: what changed about your sort of work a day rhythms? Anything? Uh yeah, I think that uh there was a definite shift overnight, uh, from less, you know, promotion to more PR and I sort of have a mass communications background, but I felt like there was more with things changing daily and we're we're having to, you know, put up whatever the guidelines are on our Facebook page, even for visit Georgetown. Yeah. Um, I feel like my work became a little bit more PR with the film clients. Um, you know, we've been able to program virtually. We've had some drive-in movies with Aspen Film, um, and some social distance outdoor programming with movies under the stars. But I feel like it's definitely changed in a way that, you know, promoting a virtual festival for something in Aspen and Telluride, you know, where people are excited to come out. Mm-hmm. All different. We're definitely more on the content. So. Yeah. I would say that the, there's been a shift in what I'm promoting. I'm not posting pictures of, you know, crowded places or (laughs) as many Telluride uh, photos or Aspen photos at the moment, just because we kind of see ourselves leaning towards virtual festivals in the fall. So, um,
1: and it, would you say like film festivals like that, is that kind of your bread and butter type of client?
0: I enjoy that. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate to represent some interesting clients and, uh, I've always enjoyed promoting the arts. I think with film festivals, it gives me a chance to, uh, network with filmmakers and creators and promote their work within. And so, yeah, I think I'm very fortunate to be promoting something that I love. I've always been a movie fan. And again, I get, I get a chance to, to do that and, and to, um, promote that sort of art. So, yeah, it's been a, been a, pleasure. I would say that those are my favorite clients. Definitely.
1: Do they take up the majority of your portfolio or do you have other kind of less glamorous stuff that kind of pays the bills?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I have a chiropractic clinic and then at, uh, there's a at-home physician and she works with rehabilitation with seniors. And so I have a few healthcare clients and a few few others that supplement as well. But yeah, you can tell probably by my Social media activity that I'm probably most excited about promoting art. So
1: yeah, totally. Well, it's funny too, because, um, I produce podcasts for organizations. Obviously this is my flagship show. This is the one I talk about the most, but people are like, Oh, are they shows I would have heard of? And I'm like, no, like that, you know, there's. What's funny is I talk to students a lot about PR and marketing and like I'll go to, to college classes and they all sort of have the same idea of what mm-hmm. this is. And yeah. I say, there's a lot of work out there. You just got to find it. And it's not terribly, terribly glamorous. Like I'm not producing podcasts that are going to be in the iTunes top 100. What I'm doing is creating stuff for a very specific audience and the people who I do it for, they love it, but. It's not something that, that you think of when you think of like PR and publicity. It's not super splashy. So it sounds like kind of the
0: same deal for you. Definitely. Yeah. How, looks like you've interviewed quite a few of the Denver comedians. <laughs> kind of going through and saw uh, Ben Roy and a few others in there. So, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Recently, uh, I did Ben Roy during the pandemic uh, and I talked to Sam Talland. Both great guys and both so different from each other. During the pandemic, what I've been focusing on is putting stuff out that I really enjoy be, right. Because, you know, everyone needs a little joy right now. There's, there's a grinding sameness to the world at the moment. And I'm like numb to everything. So it's like, Hey, let's, let's bring a little joy to, to people's lives and talk about stuff we all love. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think what, what you said earlier about, uh, I think you said it felt a little bit, uh, I can't remember the word you used for what's happening on social media right now, but little toxic times and I, I can't, uh, Claim to be perfect. I think I get uh, emotional, a little bit attached to some of the things that are going on in the world. But I I think also there's a time to sort of like, uh, I don't know, bring some lighter things to the surface. Yes, especially during a time like this. No,
1: I agree. And it's hard for me because I want to advocate for the things that I care about and support the things that I care about. But, you know, there's, there's still other elements of life. That it feels incomplete if we're not at least experiencing some joy, some levity, some, you know, bringing some lightness, uh, to, right. to a world that is very, very challenging on so many fronts right now.
0: Right. Definitely. So mm. one
1: thing that's interesting to me is I used to do event marketing, um, and event planning and execution. And I realized I'm not cut out for it because I just end up, it's too stressful for me. And so what I'm curious about and. I'll ask you this question. Uh Do you know Neil Trulio at Denver Film? I do. Okay. Yeah. So Neil was the one who reached out to me to do interviews at the Denver Film Fest. And I see what his days are like during Denver Film. And it's intense. I mean, he's he's on probably 12 to 18 hours a day. When you're doing Aspen Film or Telluride Horror Fest – is it that kind of intensity? I mean, under normal circumstances, obviously. Is it that intense? Or have you gotten to a point where you can manage it, not effortlessly, but much easier now?
0: I think much easier. And I don't think that my workload is is quite as heavy as Neil's is during the Denver Film Fest, which I believe is a 12 or 13-day festival, multiple venues around the city, so many more people to interact with. And while Telluride Horror Show is a world-renowned genre film fest, I think... We're still a little quaint. I mean, three days, it's genre oh, film, nice. three venues, which are walkable. We're very indie. We, we get a few people you might recognize, but it's definitely people that are doing work in independent genre film at the moment. You know, it's kind of a, obviously a remote location as well that we don't quite, we, we get a, we get a good media turnout, but not like Denver film where sure. everything is right there. But I, I think it's become a little bit more manageable. Aspen film doing PR, social, them for my first short fest that was a little bit of a deer in headlights with that one. A little bit bigger, a lot more going on. Although one venue, the Wheeler Opera House. Oh nice, okay. But they have so many media outlets in that small town that are actually doing well. Yeah. That it was a lot of running running short filmmakers around town to radio, you know, print, even uh public television that um that was a little bit of an adjustment for sure in comparison to the Telluride Horror Show. it's like meet you meet at the green room, or I'll meet you down at the Last Dollar Saloon kind of thing. It's a little bit more casual, yet professional. But yeah, seeing Neil um, and I and I helped out with the PR team years ago, two thousand nine. That's where I got my start. So I was with them, but really just kind of helping out with press kits, red carpet stuff. But that's where I met Neil. But yeah, seeing his work, I'm not sure I am. I mean, my workload isn't quite uh, to that point yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's become a little bit more manageable. I think Telluride Horror Show, especially, just sort of. I mean, although we're growing, we're uh, I've been with them now since 2014, so it's sort of like Ted said. Once we get through that first day, it kind of runs itself a little bit. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I want to touch on something you said about the Aspen Film Fest and the Aspen Media Market because I actually knew that about Aspen. There do they still have like two newspapers there?
0: They do. They have the Aspen Daily News, they have the Aspen Times, they have a couple of really slick magazine publications and Aspen Sojourner, Aspen uh Modern Luxury. Yeah, there is a lot it, of media going on in that town. I
1: love little towns like that that are sort of like anachronistic because I how many people live in Grand Junction? It's like 40,000 or something, right? Right. And I did like I was on the record spokesman for a client I did three TV interviews, one live TV interview, a radio spot, and then I got interviewed by their business journal. And I'm like, how does this town support this much media?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Like,
1: when you've got the Denver Post, like a hollowed out husk of its former self here. Um, and you know, some of the other ones have come up, like Colorado Sun, Denverite, things like that, but it still feels like disproportionately large in places like Aspen and Grand Junction and, when you're doing publicity work, that is such a blessing, you know.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. We get a lot of support from Aspen Media for sure. But yeah, interesting with that town. There's just so much going on. So many nonprofits as well. It's really—I <laughs> don't know how you keep up, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very active. I don't know how that. I don't know if it's a Western Slope thing. I think for Aspen, it's probably you know in a more affluent, obviously, certainly, it's an international town. Um, even though it's only seven thousand, I mean, you walk down downtown and you'll hear three or four different languages in a block, you know, it's yeah. just a different vibe for sure. Compared to other Colorado mountain towns. Let's say this.
1: It's one of a kind for sure. Right. But, um, okay. So when you're doing things like this, I know I have particular kinds of pet peeves in types of clients doing media and doing publicity. Are there types of filmmakers or types of journalists that wear you out uh are are there anyone where you're like, Oh god, like i I have to deal with this type of person again today?
0: I think the one where I get a little it's kind of out of my hands sometimes is when you have a live interview. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the person doesn't quite understand the timeline you're working with, especially for a morning interview. And I remember there was one experience I had with a filmmaker in Aspen where we were trying to get we had to be on the gondola to meet the live interview and it almost didn't happen. Oh that boy. kind of thing. So, I mean, I think those are more stressful and they're here and there. It's not like an ongoing thing, but I think sometimes when, uh, the person that you're trying to promote doesn't quite grasp the timeline you're working with and how <laughs> important it is to be on time. Yeah. Uh, that can be a challenge
1: or um, I, like there are times where people are almost like tone deaf with it too, where you go, okay, this is a publicity opportunity and they go, why am I even doing this? And you go, I, how, what? Like promotion is the name of the game here. You have a name. Someone actually wants to talk to you. And anytime anyone wants to talk to me, I find that just flattering. I I don't know where those wires get crossed where people are like, yeah, well, whatever. Cause Neil told me about, he had an actor just start no showing interviews,
0: which throughout a festival. yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did one bailed on live TV spots, bailed on doing my show. Like literally everything from my tiny little corner of the internet to like flagship TV in Denver. Wild.
0: Yeah. I had a uh, experience and and uh she she's she was a blast to work with, but uh when I was with Mile High Horror I was with Linda Blair and Oh my <laughs> talker and we were trying to get bouncer from one TV station to another it was like media day uh during the festival and, and one of the you know agreements that we came up with is that she would have a little bit of a platform for her animal rescue or pit bull rescue, and we're like absolutely And so she had these brochures and anybody that she walked, bumped into at the, you know, whatever station we were at would recognize her and want to talk to her and tell her how big of a fan. And she would talk you know, it'd be like, Linda, we need to get going to the next one. Yeah. To the next one. But, but yeah, I mean, she, you can't fault her for being friendly and engaging with her fans, but that was, that was an interesting morning for sure. (laughs) Yeah, most
1: definitely. How did you get into this because I think doing publicity and doing media work for film festivals if if you're starting out in your career, that's like really attractive to people, you know what I mean? Like when you mm-hmm. think of the type of work that you'd want to do, you know, a lot of people would go, that seems like something I'd want to do. So, how did you come to do publicity and media for Telluride Horror Fest, Aspen Film? Uh you mentioned you did some work uh with Denver Film? Um, you, you have a long history of promoting the arts. It's very attractive. Doesn't always pay the best. Um, so right. I'm just kind of curious about your path to get there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I was doing, um, higher ed marketing. Actually, after college, I was painting airplanes out in Washington and then moved into higher ed marketing with Seattle Pacific University. Then my first job here in Denver was with Regis University. Wait, what,
1: what, uh, what's your degree in?
0: Uh, mass communications.
1: Okay. Perfect. <laughs>
0: journalism. So yeah, it's yep. sort of that we joke that it's the degree that you or the major that you choose when you don't really quite have a plan. <laughs> yeah, I always kind of had an overall like idea of how I would use it, but not. uh Yeah. Anyway, so I, I ended up. uh Dude, I'm kind of the same way, though. Like
1: I have a degree in uh, communication studies from Colorado State. And I, w- I was so bored during my business classes. And I just I hated them and i liked my public speaking class so i looked it up in the course book and i'm like wait i can write i can like watch movies and write papers about them like that's what i want to do and right. so i i have uh, a degree in communication studies with a focus on media and so yeah kind of a similar thing for me where i'm like i don't know what i'm going to do with this but i know i like these classes more than any other classes i've ever taken
0: yeah absolutely i thought i was going to start off with in broadcast and then i shadowed an anchor for a day. And I'm like, no. And uh, <laughs> I shifted to writing a little bit more. I was an editor for, at the college paper and, you know, it took a little more of a journalistic yar approach, but then did higher ed marketing at Seattle Pacific University and then Regis University when I moved to Denver. Had kind of a weird time in my life right around um, 2007 and eight, really a dark period in my life. And I was talking to a friend from Louisville, Kentucky, and she knowing that I love indie film and whatever, she encouraged me to look into the Denver Film Society. She's like if Louisville has one, I can assure you Denver does. And really I just reached out, sent my resume over there to volunteer, to be around like minded people, to see if that would maybe I could connect, lift my spirits a little bit. Really yeah. that's what it was. And uh willing to like, you know, take tickets, sweep floors between films, whatever. Had never been to the Denver Film Fest and I got a call from one of their PR folks. And I, she sounded young on the phone and I knew they were at the Tivoli. I wasn't sure if they were connected with the universities over there. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the Denver film society at at the time. And she wanted to have a conversation with me. And so I walked in and Greta Erickson was there. It was like the direct, still the director of the film festival and um, their whole PR team. And we sat in the Tivoli and talked and, and they brought me on, um, to help out with, uh, red carpet events that year. But, um, yeah, was that so, like, uh, did... that's where I kind of got my start and then mile High horror reached out to me. They needed somebody to run their social. Then I became their marketing director for a year before I left for tell you ride whore. And from there it's sort of has expanded.
1: Yeah. It's amazing to me because, and and I always tell people this, like wherever you want, you think you want to end up, just go there and just be around a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. like, whether you're volunteering or whether, whatever it is, like, you're gonna have conversations that are gonna lead to something. Right. Which, it, it sounds overly simplistic and it sounds insane too, but I thought I wanted to work for the Colorado Rockies, so I just went down there, I found a guy on their website, and, like, in, in a role that I thought looked decent, and I just started dropping off a resume a week, and mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, please meet with me. And I wrote a different cover letter every week. I did that for six weeks straight until he finally got bored of me and uh gave me an interview. And then I ended up turning down the job, which was kind of a surreal experience. But I think that's a really good lesson. Like, what do you want to do? Who are the types of
0: people you want to be with? And just get down there and and, and be with them. Absolutely. That's, I feel like we have a lot in common. I, there was a time when I was a kid where I wanted to be the voice of the Minnesota Twins. Nice. So yeah, the sports, sports marketing was, I've never done it, but it was always kind of on the back of my mind as well. I wanted to promote what I love, sports, movies, whatever. So yeah, I think the education came later. I don't know but I think that promoting, I mean, working at a university was great benefits. I was able to to continue my education and both of my parents were teachers, retired teachers. So maybe that had something to do with it. What did your parents teach? My dad taught adaptive P. He was a high school teacher of a a bunch of different subjects and a coach. And then he left for 10 years and then came back to it. And in South Dakota, they have this educational co-op where he would go around and work with kids with, like, autism, poor motor skills, you know, Down syndrome, where one rural school district wouldn't be able to afford a full-time person, but he would travel around each day and work with these kids. My mom taught 38 – or third grade for 38 years. Hmm. That included 7 years she took off uh to rate to get me into kindergarten, my sister a couple of years later. So I mean, yeah, it was always part of our family education.
1: Dude, we we are very similar because my mom taught kindergarten first or second grade for like 30 plus years and took a few years off get me into kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um and then was subbing for a little bit and went back full time once I was in like Second or third grade, I think. And uh, where'd you grow up? I, I grew up, uh, in Golden, actually. Just. Yeah. So yeah, Jefferson County kid. My, yeah, my mom was a Jefferson County teacher for 30 plus years, uh, like three or four different schools, I think. But, um, so yeah, very, very similar vibe in that way. Yeah. funny. Let's talk film a little bit because having gone now and having been a part of all these film festivals, obviously big horror fan, you mentioned. Who, who are your guys? Who are your directors, producers, actors, creators? Who, who do you sort of, who, who are you naturally drawn to?
0: Can you give me some favorites? Some favorites in film? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. Like it's not all horror, but I, I can think of a few. I mean, I've always loved John Carpenter, of course. Halloween's a classic. Right.
1: And I'm not asking you to limit yourself yeah. to horror, obviously, but
0: I think some of my favorite films recently, um, in recent years, though, would be, you know, stuff by the Cohen brothers. I mean, I know it's not recent anymore. Fargo would be right up there. And I think that might have something to do with the region where it was shot.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: And just getting into the series. I can't believe I've never watched it, but they dropped it on Hulu. And so the dialect is spot on. And I think uh, you know, they, they reference Sioux Falls all the time. That's pretty much where I grew up. And Laverne hmm. is right there. And so that's been a lot of fun as well. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, There Will Be Blood is a, is a favorite of mine, I think really explores ego and alcoholism and, uh, other things. So I think that's an excellent film as well. And I like what some of these musicians are doing in terms of scoring some of these films in recent years with Johnny Greenwood. I love a lot of Trent Reznor's work. Yeah. And, uh, so those are just a few, um, genre. I, th- I think, um, you know, of course I like some of the new filmmakers in Ari Oster and, um, why is his name escaping me right now? The lighthouse. Yeah. Wait, lighthouse. Um, and bitch. why can't I think of his name? I've referenced him so many times. Yeah. Um, I can picture him too. Anyway. Um,
1: yeah, it's funny. Uh, I just watched yesterday, uh, mid nineties. Have you seen that one? I haven't. Okay. So Jonah Hill made it for A24 and it's about this kid in Los Angeles who has kind of a crappy home life. And finds this group of skaters, they become his ad hoc family. And so, I mean, I was born in 1981. So first of all, like I'm the exact same age as this kid in this movie. I also like loved hanging out with skateboarders. Now granted, I, you know, I was an inline skater, so they gave me all sorts of shit for it. You know, like that movie I thought was really good. And I thought, I think A24 is doing some interesting stuff right now. How do you feel about Tarantino?
0: I like a lot of his stuff. Definitely. I mean, I, 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 I was, Born in the seventies. And so pulp fiction was one of the first films that I, I saw right out of high school. I think I'm trying to remember when that came out. I like his, uh, I mean, I really loved the film, the, the his use in music. I'm trying to think of the one, uh, the most recent one.
1: Once upon a time in
0: Hollywood. On a time in Hollywood. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, but yeah, I like most of Tarantino's work. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm kind of a Tarantino super freak in a yeah. lot of ways and I, I've written essays about why that is and there there's there's a lot of things that just sort of come together but there's something about the way he did that and it's so funny I had a film editor on this podcast once and uh we ended up talking about Sally Mankey, who was Tarantino's editor mm-hmm. and it's always interesting to me when filmmakers have like their favorite pet editor and you know Mankey really like did great work for tarantino and then scorsese has his and i can't remember her name you know they they say a film is written three times like once when you write it once when you shoot it and once when you edit it it's so funny like doing work at denver film my appreciation for film has increased so much because i interviewed these guys they're from colorado who made a movie called man camp okay and uh it's basically just I, and I don't want to pigeonhole it or undersell it, but it's this kind of middle of the road comedy that you don't see a ton, like on the festival circuit. And I thought, wow, like that's really cool that they're making the kind of movie that they want and they were able to do it through film festivals. And that's like, if you're a film fan and you're not attuned to film festivals, you are going to find stuff that you are going to love. Like I found the craziest documentaries there that Neil has hooked me up with, uh, with interviewing about. So like actors of sound. Um, is mm-hmm. a documentary about Foley artists. And you watch that and you go, my God, there's much more Foley in every movie than I ever expected. And so this leads me to a question, which is, has this work over the years in these film festivals and getting to meet all these creators, has that deepened your appreciation for the craft of film? And if so, how?
0: Oh, definitely. I think, um and, and being on a couple of film sets, even as a unit publicist, sometimes I can see the work involved. And sometimes I've been a part of the creative and even a short film and I can't believe the work involved. Yeah. Um, so when I go to a film festival, I'm a little more forgiving <laughs> yeah. um, with, you know, independent work sometimes from a first time filmmaker that, uh and then when you go to an, I think people start to pick up on that when you go to a film festival, I, th- I think people are understanding that, you know, we're seeing at the Telluride horror show where, we'll have like Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, we had a talk with him and people went to an indie film that no one, no one had heard about and packed the house twice for that film, you know? And so I think our fans are starting to really appreciate the kind of the quirky stuff that you're not going to see in any other theater, but yeah, it's, it's given me much more of a deeper appreciation as far as the work involved with the process. I think right now I'm writing a short film, and I'm about finished and there's no dialogue. It's a seven to eight minute film. And I thought, well, no dialogue. This is going to be really easy. <laughs> and writing each second out because I think it's really important. And I like that you brought up editing because this, that's going to be the most important part of this film is the sound and just the visual editing, uh, because of lack of dialogue and be able, being able to tell a story in eight minutes without dialogue. Um, the writing has been, more of a challenge than I was expecting. I thought I could just draw up a shot list and let's yeah. just capture all this and then put it on the editor. But I think <laughs> I'm understanding that each movement from this character, one character mostly, with some extras in one scene, needs to be drawn out to a T. And so, yeah, it's given me a deep appreciation working on my own stuff, seeing what other people are doing, talking with other filmmakers, and how they've been able to. You know, execute their films, even down to practical special effects has given me a huge appreciation for indie filmmaking.
1: Yeah, 100%. Have you ever done the 48 hour film project?
0: I haven't. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that, um, I get a little weird when I don't get sleep. Uh. So I think that, 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 kind of, that kind of scares me a little bit. Like, I don't know if I'd be a very good teammate, but I have an appreciation for what some of those we, we actually showed a couple of films that were made in the 48 hour You know, this is an international film fest where we, uh, you know, 1500 short film submissions. And there were a couple of them that came out of 48 hour film fest last year that were so good. I'm like, I can't believe that they can write that together. Cause don't, don't, aren't you assigned your team? So when you,
1: no, no, you, uh, you pick your own team. So you go with your crew. Okay. Uh, What they give you though, is a line of dialogue, a prop, and a character name and sort of occupation. Sure. And it, it can be male or female. And then you draw a genre out of a hat. Okay. So you have – every film has to have these three required elements. And then basically they um, they assign you a genre randomly. Okay. And so then you go and you write it and you shoot it and you score it and you edit it. And you hopefully get it in within the 48 hours. Yeah. Um, it's intense. I've written on three of them. I acted in one of them. Uh, the first one we did was pretty rough because, like, quite honestly, we hit some writer's blocks. So we got a later start than we wanted. And, I mean, that's always the risk. Like, you're a creative. I, I don't know about you, but I like to give the creative process as wide a berth as possible. So, if I'm writing something for a client, I don't know if you do this too. I prefer to charge by the project or by, like, whatever I'm delivering to them rather than mm-hmm. hourly because i could write them in like a guest op-ed in 20 minutes or it might take me like a day and a half right where i it's just not coming but the deadline is looming and i'm like okay you know what i i have to be zen about this because it will come and when it does it's going to flow like water do, do you identify with that
0: yeah absolutely
1: <clears throat> definitely it's hard too with deadlines because sometimes that will force your creativity so that's one of the reasons i like the 48 it kind of pays heed to one of my favorite maxims, which is a good plan today is better than the perfect plan tomorrow.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can't remember the documentary I saw about the, the Simpsons writers six days or, I Oh no
1: know. South park writers,
0: South park writers. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, given, <laughs> given a deadline and what they were able to pull off every week.
1: I, and uh, the fact that they willingly subject themselves to that or the way SNL is still written, the way it's written in 2020 feels insane to me.
0: And I think that's where I've fallen a little short. I think during all of this, I've used the excuse of, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. When's the dust going to settle? And, um, maybe a hard deadline for myself would help this process.
1: (laughs) I know what you mean. That's one of the reasons I like having this show is I'm like, okay, whether I want to or not, Wednesday's rolling around again. Mm -hmm. And I got to have, I gotta have episodes in the can. Yeah, that's, that's always interesting to me. And especially doing something like PR for an event, you're going to get a grenade dropped in your lap probably every day. And the way that you scramble and recover from that is kind of up to you, but really, uh, keeps you vibrant, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think given the time right now, we were, I mean, even with the horror show, I'll be frank, we were trying to like explore opportunities that were safe, maybe a hybrid model of in-person. Uh, online, we were kicking around an idea of maybe a drive-in, things like that. But, uh, um, I think we are because of that, uh, that risk. I think we're all kind of on board with, with moving forward virtually this year. I don't want to have to serve in a damage control kind of capacity with a small film festival if there's an outbreak in San Miguel County. Right. Because we had to watch our horror movies together, you know.
1: Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you don't want to go into crisis con- uh crisis communications, which is right, my least it. favorite type of communication.
0: Right.
1: Um. So, what does a virtual film fest look like? Like, how how does that play out? You know, like, how do you get eyeballs on this? And you know, how is it different than just dumping everything on sort of VOD?
0: Yeah, I mean, with the Aspen Shorts Fest, we were able to pull off a successful film festival. People supported. I think we were able to get our film festival in front of a bunch of other people who, um, you know, uh, it's typically like within the ski season. And so it's not an affordable stay up for everyone in Aspen to come out and be in person. So it, it allowed us to get our brand in front of other people in a more affordable fashion. And I see the same with Telluride Horror Show. I think we'll be a little heavier with short films this year with more marquee features each day. I think as opposed to a three day format will probably be a week. Where people can log in and watch at their leisure at the Telly Ride Horror Show. We always have a uh, renowned genre author. We've had Paul Tremblay. We've had Jeremy Robert Johnson. Last year we had Kelly Link and they do cam- a campfire reading. It's like, we call it creepy campfire tales. This year I think we'll have somebody read by their camp, by their, uh, by their fireplace, fireplace. Nice. Yeah. So we're kicking around some fun ideas around that. And, um, I think it'll be a little more realistic to get, um, recognizable names to set up a laptop in a room like this to be a part of a conversation with somebody from a genre publication or, or something like that. So it's, you really just have to adapt and find ways that are Telluride horror show. we built such a brand and our fans love us so much. It's like my favorite weekend of the year and I'm working, you know, and people book their rooms the day after and book their flights months out. And, um, they're all very aware that we're trying to do what's right and we're going to do what's safe. And if we have to go virtual, I haven't heard anybody complain. I think everybody's very understanding that it's sort of out of our hands and they're, they, they want to come out and support. We're putting together some packages where they can get, pa- you know, a virtual pass and like some merch, you know, different price points to kind of help us out a little bit and sure. feel more involved and we've got a large established Colorado brewery who's, very interested in coming in as a presenting sponsor, which would help out. And they understand that, Hey, this could get their brand out in a virtual format. I I don't know. I, it'll be, it's too early to tell, but I feel like we're going to be able to get the horror show in front of a lot more people this year as well. Obviously passes. We're not going to charge the same. It'll be a fraction, but you know, everybody's taking a hit, but we want to stay relevant this year and we have a brand that's strong enough. And I think we can do that.
1: Two questions related to that. One, Have you found having to exercise your creativity in a brand new way rewarding or is it stressing you out?
0: Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's so much fun promoting the town of Telluride (laughs) an in-person festival that, um, you know, I I think it's it's fun to see uh, our team be able to adapt and get response from our audience. Uh, which has been positive and stuff like that i I would say it 's probably not as fun as promoting an in person event, but um we 've adapted and and like i said we're we're still uh keeping busy with aspen film as far as like virtual programming drive in a bunch of other things that we we're all still working so uh but uh but yeah it's it's probably there have probably been a few more stressful days than normal yeah sure
1: i i'd say so and my second question is, I know when the pandemic hit. So if you compare March versus April, my business dropped by about 70%. How, uh, how are you surviving? Did you take a hit? Did you get a PPP loan? Yeah, a little bit of
0: that. I took a hit. I would say a couple of my clients are on pause right now, but like Aspen film is year round. They're, they're one of my big clients and, and they've been able to keep me employed through our virtual programming and and we're we're talking about partnerships for the fall with other film organizations. I can't really get into that just yet, but, and yeah, a small loan, a few other things to kind of supplement as well. But yeah, definitely I've taken a hit. I, I, um, but not, not as big as big a one as some people. I think I probably have like 70% of my normal workload. Um, usually I'm swamped with horror show and aspen film best right now but my hands are kind of tied yeah with remote what i can say until we're able to make an official announcement um and uh i'm i've actually can't really talk too much but i don't know if you're familiar with Leica studios they do stop motion animation they're out of uh portland and so they've had some oscar nominated films and coraline and the box trolls and oh Poole. sure yeah Things like that. So I've been in talks with their former marketing team, who reached out, and we're kicking around some ideas for some projects together. So I feel very fortunate and um, honored to be considered with with a group like that. So fingers crossed on that. But yeah, uh, definitely plugging forward and hoping that. Uh, I mean, I think my work will be different, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward. I think a lot of us will feel that way, but continuing to persevere, I guess.
1: The the point is. You are you're surviving and it seems to be on something of an upward trajectory. Is that fair?
0: I would say that's fair. And I think the hiking helps. Good.
1: (laughs) Well well, I'll tell you, yeah, I dropped by about seventy percent. I've clawed my way back up to about fifty, maybe sixty percent of where I'd like to be. But I've I've got some things on the horizon and so I always like to check in with, you know, fellow kind of solopreneurs and small business folks and you know, just We we got to look out for each other, right? Right. Absolutely. So, okay. I think that's a good spot to uh, wrap up. Travis, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug, whether you want to plug the festivals, yourself, any social media you have, the floor is yours. Plug anything you'd like.
0: Yeah, I would say check out the website, aspenfilm.org, for summer programming or summer of cinema. We've got a lot of great stuff going on, a lot of things that you can take advantage of if you can plan ahead. Um, some of these are free events. You just need to RSVP by a certain time to get a space, but like very safe drive-in virtual programming uh, movies under the stars, just like social distancing on blankets on a lawn of uh, a very limited space. And, um, and then show.com, I would say pay attention to that website because we'll be making some announcements in the next couple of weeks that are pretty exciting. Again, it'll probably be virtual, but I think we have, a fun creative group of people that are working on a great program for this year. So if you haven't had a chance to come out, I would say still check out the, the festival this year. Nice. Yeah. Uh Anything personally? Well, I would, I have my website in development right now. I have a new one, a guy from Georgetown's putting it together. So I'm not going to give you the URL right now and have you go to a, but <laughs> typically dot <volesmedia.com>. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, I, I hope to have a few more things up there soon
1: as well. Cool. Well, you can find links to all of that on the John of All Trades Companion blog piece that goes with this show. That's john of alltrades.us, J O N of All Also in the show notes. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or any of a billion other podcatchers, I don't know where you get your pods, wherever that is, those links will be in the show notes. Travis Voles, man, this was uh, a real pleasure. And uh it's it's fun been connecting with you on social. I'm glad we got to do it sort of virtually here, and I can't wait till we can do it in real life.
0: Yeah, absolutely, John. Hopefully right. it's sooner than later.
1: No kidding, right? Continued success yeah. to you, my man. Yeah. And that'll do it for episode 260 of the John of All Trades podcast with Travis Bowles, founder of Vols Media. What a cool dude, right? Fun chat, awesome guy. Can't wait till I can meet him in real life. It was fun connecting virtually. I hope you enjoyed it too. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, deftco dot Training, content, engagement, podcasting. I, too, am a professional communicator. So if you need some help in PR, communications, or starting your own show, I can certainly help you do that. I would love to have a conversation with you. So hit me up, J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, degr D-E-G-R-E.es. e s. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Building a website, online marketing, social media advertising, whatever it is, you're building a campaign. You need to reach people. Four Degrees knows how to do that. They do it brilliantly. They've been winning awards for what they do. They work with candidates, campaigns, and traditional goods and service companies. So, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot Keep up with me on the socials. J-O-A-T pod is the handle across platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. New episodes are previewed on Monday. Facebook only. They drop on Wednesdays. I'm out of here for another week. i got a brand new show already lined up for you. So hit that subscribe button on your podcatcher. Next Wednesday, we'll reconvene. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying sane. I hope you're wearing your damn mask, washing your damn hands. I will see you next week. And until I do, say goodnight, crazy.
0: That's good, Johnny.